standing, take your Bibles. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Our text verse for the last several weeks now. Verse 14. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 14. Is God good or what? Amen. Amen. All the time God is good. Yes, indeed. Hebrews chapter 12. One verse for our text this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word. The writer of Hebrews tells us in verse 14, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, more than anything else, we want to see you. The Lord helps live holy lives. Challenge us today and draw us nearer to you. And we ask it all in Christ's name. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. What a joy to be a child of God. Amen. I appreciate the hymns you chose this morning, Jess. And I said we were at Wendell's church last week. And and, uh, they sang some old hymns. I didn't recognize them. I couldn't really sing. I didn't know the tune. But I could see the words. And my, it it was a time of worship. And that's what worship's all about. It's not about being entertained. It's not about tapping your feet or, or even clapping your hands. It's about entering into the presence of God. And I hope you've done that this morning. We've come into the presence of God. And part of that worship time is sharing the good word of God. I don't know about you, but I've tasted it. And I found that it is good. And I'm glad to be saved today. Praise His holy name. We spent several months now looking at a certain Areas of the church uh, that's kind of slipping away. Areas where the church have been attacked from not only the outside, but also from within. And we began a few weeks ago looking at this topic, if you will, that I think has been overlooked today in our culture in most of our churches. And that is a topic of living holy lives before the Lord. And I want you to realize this topic is nothing new. It goes all the way back uh, to the book of Exodus uh, during the time when God was uh, forming a nation from a group of, uh, well, began with 70 people or so, but he's going to form a great nation and they were to be God's people. And folks, when you're God's people, we're to be distinct from this world. And so early on, God told Moses, what I want you to do, I want you to make a plate of pure gold. And I want you to take and I want you to engrave on that plate these words, holiness to the Lord. And God was saying to his people, I want you to understand, you are no longer just any people, you are my people. And because you are my people, you are to be distinct. And I want you to realize every time you see the high priest and you see him wear that on his turban and on his forehead, you'll see that phrase, holy to the Lord. God is saying, I want you to be separate from this world. Separate from this world. Because I don't care who you are, whether it's Israel back at then in Moses' day or it's you and I today, God's people need to understand that we have a desperate need for purity before the Lord. Because the Bible says clearly, without holiness, no man shall see the Father. So let me ask you the crucial question, how many want to see the Lord today? 
Amen. And I want to tell you, folks, you can't live life any way you want to and expect to see the Lord. If our lives are not holy, we will never see the Father. So I want you to understand from the very beginning of our message this morning, we try to emphasize over the last few weeks, it is clear that the Word of God and God Himself demands holiness in our lives. Not just in the preacher's life, but every born-again child of God. Be holy because why? God is holy. But I'm convinced today that holiness is not being preached in our churches anymore. It's not being taught anymore. We have become so bent on trying to be seeker-friendly, we've forgotten what God says about holiness. God is serious about holiness. And it has to be a priority in our lives, because my friend, without holiness, we will not see the Lord. And so that's why personal holiness is so important. It ought to be the the greatest pursuit of our lives. Because folks, if we don't have that, we will not see the Lord. Now, I want to remind you this morning, folks, God is serious about holiness. He always has been, and He always will be. And don't you think for a moment we're going to skate our way into heaven. Now, make no mistake about it, Jesus died for our sins. Amen. It's only by the blood of Christ we can be saved. Not what I do, what Christ did for me. I understand that. But God expects us to live that out daily in our lives. Without holiness, we cannot see God. So it's something we have to preach. We have to teach. And we must live it every day in our lives. <clears throat> We've already come quite a ways on holiness. We looked at biblical holiness uh, some weeks ago. We also touched on uh, God's holiness. And by the way, how holy is God? Amen. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Never forget that. Folks, He is high above anything else. He's high above anyone else. And no one or anything can compare to the holy, holy, holy God. Somebody give Him praise this morning. Amen. He is holy, holy, holy. But our focus has been, what does it mean for you and I to be holy? How does that play out in our lives? Now, I want to, again, clarify to make sure we understand uh, that when God... Uh, spoke to Israel back in Leviticus chapter eleven nineteen. He was telling them, I want you to be different. I want you to be distinct from all other nations, and I'm going to give you some specific regulations I want you to govern your lives with. You're to be holy before the Lord. Now, make no mistake about it. Israel, without a doubt, is God's chosen nation, and God set them apart from all other peoples upon this earth. They were given standards. They were His special people. And God wanted them to live by those standards so that when the world saw them living, they would say, you know what? That person belongs to God. They belong to God. Now, we're going to go to Peter this morning. In First Peter 1.16, Peter says this, Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And remember, any time you read those words, because it is written, you know he's quoting from the Old Testament. And so Peter is quoting from Leviticus chapter 11 and Leviticus chapter 19. 
And Peter says, God says to be holy because he is holy. But what I like about what Peter's doing, he takes what God said to Moses way back in Leviticus, what God said that applied then to the people of Israel, and Peter says the same thing God said to Israel, he says to the church today. He takes what God said to the Jews, and he applies it specifically to believers. So Peter says, just as Israel was to be distinct from this world, distinct from other people in this world, Peter says, you and I as Christians, we are to be distinct from other people in the world we live with. And I want to say something today, folks. I'm afraid the church is losing its distinctiveness. Amen. I didn't say you need to be weird. We need to be distinct. We need to mark our lives by living according to God's truth. We need to live live holy lives before a lost and dying world. We don't need to be hypocrites. We need to walk truly in the word of God. So we looked at how how can we become holy. Well, number one, you've got to be born again. If you're not born again, you'll never be holy. Ever. So it begins with a right relation with God. But also we become holy not only by being born again, but every day living a life that is set apart for God. So when it comes to holiness, we know where to begin. We've got to begin with being born again. That's where it starts. But we also know what to do. And that is that we have to live a separated life every day for the glory of God. So how do we flesh this out? Let's go back to 1 Peter again. Let's begin in verse 13. Read down through verse 16. What's the first word in verse 13? Wherefore. Wherefore, because the angels desire to know what we know. Because the prophets, that's what Peter said earlier. Because the prophets long to know what we know. And because that is true, Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the form of lust in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, we've already covered quite a bit. Let's do a little bit of review. Number one, Peter said it begins in your minds. Verse 13, gird up the loins of your minds. Folks, understand something. If we're going to be holy, we're going to change the way we think. Allow the Word of God to transform our lives. Gird up our minds for action. And it begins in the mind. We also looked at Ephesians 4 a couple of weeks ago. And Paul reveals two specific actions there in verses 22 and 24. Number one, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And number two, clothe yourselves with a new self. Amen. It begins by renewing the spirit of our mind. So number one, it begins in our mind. The second thing Peter says about holiness, it requires self-control. 
Now, folks, how many know we live in a sinful world? You don't seem surprised, amen? We do. And it's always pulling us. Satan is always tempting us. And while we live in this world, we must keep full possession of our minds and our bodies and don't let anyone or anything draw us away from God. We must exercise self-control. So it begins with our mind. Requires self-control. Number three, we've got to set our hope on the grace Jesus Christ offers. Look at verse 13. Peter said, Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How many know that Jesus Christ is coming? Amen. And John reminded us the things we don't know, but one thing we know, that when we see him, we are going to be just like him. Amen. Set your hope on that. Now let me remind you, the hope we're talking about is not some type of hazy, I hope so. Not at all. It's not a hazy desire that we wish would come true. <coughs> Excuse me. The hope we're talking about is a confident expectation of what God has promised. And understand, folks, God has promised it's going to come. Set your affection on that hope. That's how we live holy life. So it begins with our minds. Requires self-control. We have to set our hope on the grace of Jesus Christ. And then it requires obedience. Verse 14. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the formal lust as in your ignorance. Now, thank you, by the way, for shaking hands. Did that hurt? No, you know, for a couple of years we could even hardly breathe toward each other. We've got to shake hands this morning. Isn't fellowship great? Amen. And I want you to realize something about that. I mean, look around you this morning. I mean, you, you don't find anybody in this building as, as handsome as I am. Or humble, right? There you go. Now, you know I'm kidding. But we're all different. And God's family is made of all types of people from all walks of life. Aren't you glad that God so loved the world? Amen. He did. And so, even though there are many differences <coughs> among God's children, one characteristic we ought to all have in common is that we are obedient. Folks, we've been chosen by God. We didn't choose Him. He chose us. We love Him because He first loved us. And because we've been chosen by a loving Savior, we ought to be obedient to that Savior. And Peter tells us in verse 14 what we don't do. We don't uh, conform ourselves to our former lust in our ignorance. My friend, if you're a child of God, if you claim to be born again, we are not to live the life the way we used to live it. You, you didn't hear what I said, did you? If you're born again, our lives change. We live for the glory of God, not for ourselves, not for our selfish desires. And yes, there was a time we lived in our ignorance. We know that. We gave in to our own evil desires, our own wants and lusts. And we could care less about what God wanted in our lives. My friend, when God comes into our life, we received a new mindset. God changed my want to. He gave me new goals. He gave me a new sensitivity to how bad sin is. And God gave me a desire to please Him. 
And I want to remind you today, do I always please God? No, but I always want to. More than anything else, I want to hear God one day say, Well done, good and faithful servant, as obedient children. So we don't form and fashion ourselves the way we used to live, and we live different from the world. Do you understand this morning, folks, that if you're a child of God, if you're born again, our lives are to be radically different. God has moved in. The Spirit of God moves in. And we must not allow ourselves to be conformed to our evil desires because we have now been transformed by the renewing of our minds. Make no mistake about it, folks. Evil desires still exist. But if you're a child of God, you have a new goal for your life. And that goal is to please the Lord Jesus Christ To be holy because God is holy. So how do you do that? How do we not fashion ourselves to our former lifestyle? How do we not cave in to the pressure of the world? We have to break with our past. And we have to depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit to help us overcome those evil desires. And we must conform ourselves to the very will of God. So the bottom line is, Peter says, don't conform yourselves. But also in verse 15, I don't have it on the, on the notes, Alan. But he tells us what we need to do. We've got to be holy in our lifestyle. We've got to be holy in our lifestyle. Don't give in. Don't conform to the world, but be holy in how you live your life. So that's how we live holy lives. But now notice the command in verse 16. Let's look at that again. Peter says, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now remember, Peter is taking what once applied to the Jews... And now he applies it to God's chosen people from all nations. Those who name and claim the name of Christ. Notice, first of all, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not if you feel like it. It's not if you want to. The command is what? Be holy because God is holy. (coughs) The idea in the original language of that word holy and holiness... It means being set apart. It means being separate. It means to be different. And it means to be dedicated. All of those apply to that word being holy before the Lord. Now again, I want to ask you, how holy is God? Holy, holy, holy. And when we think about that, that's the absolute moral purity of God's character. And that sets Him apart making him different from every other living creature. And that God who is holy, 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 he commands his people to be holy as he is holy. If you were in Sunday school this morning, we looked at Peter, I'm sorry, Paul's letter to a young preacher named Timothy. He said, Timothy, I want you to set an example for other believers. How many know that God is our example in holiness? 
God said, be holy for I am holy. Now, it's kind of interesting, I think, that most of the time, if you're like me, uh, we think of holiness as obeying God's law. But for God, holiness is not just an action. It's not just a set of behaviors. Holiness is God's essence. Holiness is who God is. God is morally and God is ethically perfect by nature. And God said, because I am holy, that he, God, is holy, God says, I want you to be holy. And so what we have to understand is this. God's holiness of character is a model for you and I, for our lives. Not just for ourselves, but in shared communion with other Christians. God's holiness is a model for us to follow as we live for Him every day. It's interesting that the Bible teaches that those who want to replicate God's holiness, you must reflect God's holy nature in our relationships with each other and with our sincere love for other believers. We are to live our lives, <coughs> excuse me, simply in response of God's holiness. And we need to look at God for our pattern and accept His actions, His behavior as our pattern. Now, folks, don't miss this. This challenge of holiness that God gives us, the command of holiness, this change of behavior has to begin inside of us with our attitude and with our mindset. You have to have a renewed mind. When our inner thought life, when our purpose and our character are changed into the image of Christ, our outward selves and outward behavior are going to change naturally. We will want to be like God. Amen. Holy is before the Lord. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a process that we call the work of sanctification. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, look what Paul writes in verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as a, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. I underlined in my notes that verse, the first few words, Paul said, but we all. That's us. We are gazing on the glory of God. Now remember, Moses did that on the mountain. And he came down, his face began to glow. I said, Moses, cover your face. We can't bear to look at that glow. Well, after some period of time, that glow wore off. But Paul says, our gaze is different. We are gazing on the glory of God. And as we gaze on the glory of God, the Spirit of God is working in our lives. And He's changing us from glory to more glory to more glory to more glory. Somebody say amen. My friend, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of sanctification in our lives. And by gazing on the nature of God with unveiled minds, you and I can be more and more like our God. 
We can be holy because he is holy. You see, the good news is this. The gospel reveals the truth about Jesus Christ. Praise his holy name. And the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, works within us, transforming us morally as we understand and apply the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we learn about Christ's life, we can understand more and more how wonderful God is. And folks, God is wonderful. He's amazing. And we can find out exactly more and more what God is really like. We gaze upon his character. Our knowledge begins to deepen. We learn more. We draw near. As we do, the Holy Spirit works within us. And he works within us to help change us to become more and more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As the Holy Spirit works through our lives, we, it's step by step, step by step, we come closer to God's perfect way of living. <coughs> How many know that's a lifetime process? Day by day, step by step. And it happens little by little as the Spirit of God begins to point out more areas of our lives. That we need to change in order to become more like God. That we need to yield to the Holy Spirit in order to come closer to God's perfect way of living. So it happens a little by little. As the Holy Spirit says, here's another area. You need to submit to God. And then we begin to freely submit to God. So when we think about holiness, it begins when you're born again. But we've got to live it out daily. But we have to understand, holiness comes because the Spirit of God is working through our lives. And the Spirit of God works with the preaching of God's Word. The Spirit of God works through the reading of the Scripture. The Spirit of God works through our prayer life. The Spirit of God also works through the guidance of other mature believers to help us go farther and lead us on to God's wonderful path. Of holiness. God is working in our lives. But also understand, folks, God is working on His own timing, on His own schedule. The Holy Spirit begins to begin, He begins to bring about change in our hearts and our lives. And it can be a, a slow process. It is a lifetime process. So I want to say to you this morning, folks, never give up. Never, ever give up. Because the Spirit of God works in His own way, and He works in His own timing. And I want to tell you something this morning. I I realize every day He's still working on me. He is still working on me. So if you're a child of God today, if you're a believer in Christ, if you've been born again, you should be set apart and different because of God's quality in your life. God has made a difference in your life. <coughs> and our focus <coughs> and our priorities must be the same as God's. It ought to be on Him. Now remember, the day you declared faith in Christ, the day you asked Christ to be Lord of your life, you were declared holy because of that faith in Christ. 
But we've got to work out that divine holiness in our family. In our divine family, every day, walk by walk, in our behavior and in the way we live the rest of our lives. You cannot become holy on your own. You cannot become holy in a hurry. It's God working in our lives, and He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us to become holy. I don't want to give you any of the bad news, but I've got to tell you the truth. We will not attain perfect holiness in this life. But in spite of that, every part of our life, every part of our character should be in the process of becoming more and more, both inwardly and outwardly, conformed to the holiness of God, being more like Him. Our lives, if you're a believer, your life must be notably different than those of the unsaved. (coughs) There's something different about our lives, and that's because of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Because we have the Spirit of God living in us, because we have God's Holy Presence in our lives, it produces in us a longing and a loving for obedience to God's Word to be obedient to those things that will ultimately form us into God's character in us if we are set apart for God's use, separate from our old ways, then we're following God's command. Be holy, for I am holy. Now the key here is this. We've got to learn to yield to the Holy Spirit. Let me let me pause here just for a moment and talk about yielding. How many, anybody ever seen a yield sign along the highway? Jeremy does not know what that means. I know he took driver's ed. We paid for it. He has no idea what that yield sign means. But I want to tell you, folks, one of the keys to becoming holy is yielding to the Holy Spirit. And the problem is, most of us have trouble yielding. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm driving along the highway and, and I, I get a little perturbed, is that a nice word to use? That's a fellow that's supposed to yield and he don't. But then I have to confess when I'm in that lane, and I'm supposed to yield that I don't. Like I said, Jeremy don't, doesn't know what it means anyway. So we, we're, we're hesitant sometimes. We don't know what to do. I mean, are they going to yield or not yield? But folks, understand something. In our walk with God, we cannot be hesitant. We've got to continually move forward in pursuing holiness every day of our lives. Because if we don't, sin is going to move in. Satan is ready to destroy our lives, to hinder our walk with God. In order to overcome that, we must be willing to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he will draw us, he will convince us, at times he will convict us, <clears throat> but we must be yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, Lord willing, we're going to address this in more detail next week, but I want to tell you today, far too many Christians today are living in active, willful sin. Amen. I don't know how they do it. 
I don't know why they can do it. I don't know how they can justify it. I don't know how they can rationalize it. But my friend, God says we are not to willfully live in sin. And if God says it's wrong, it's wrong for me and it's wrong for you. You didn't hear what I just said. Well, preacher, you don't know our circle. doesn't matter. If God said it's wrong, it's wrong. If God said it's wrong 2,000 years ago, it's wrong today. And way too many Christians are trying to rationalize. They're trying to justify living in open, willful sin. And I want to tell you, God's not pleased with it. Now, Lord willing, I have some statistics to back it up next week. If God leads me in that direction, I've been looking at that for the last couple of weeks now. We'll see how that works out. Now, remember, I'm not talking about sin outside the church. I'm talking about sin in the church. Amen. And I want to tell you, God's not pleased with that. He is not pleased with that. And the Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Without which no man shall see the Father. <laughs> I uh, <clears throat> I had to smile last week with Chuck Swindoll's church, and I've listened for him for years. And uh, I don't listen to him as consistently as I used to, but uh, anyway, uh, most of the time that I've ever listened to him, he always ended his message with with, with application. And so we were there last week, and he ended with application. I think he had four points. Well, I've only got two this morning. I want you to realize, first of all, I know that holiness is a tough sale. I know there's some of you thinking, preacher, you're old-fashioned. If that's what I am, that's what I am. I still believe that God's Word is true. I still believe that sin is sin. I still believe it's wrong for Christians to live in sin willfully. Because if you love the Father like you ought to love the Father, you don't want to break His heart. And God hates sin. But I know in our culture, even within the church, holiness is indeed a tough sale to make. But my friend, the Bible is clear. Without holiness, no man will see the Father. That means me and that means you. So what do we need? What, are, what, what should be our motives for holiness? Number one, I want to be holy because I love God. I love Him more than anything else in this world. And I want to please Him. I have an uncle who is just a year older than I am. And growing up, man, he was mean as a snake. And I almost idolized him except for that part of his life. But I purposely wouldn't run around with him because I knew if I went with him, we'd get in trouble. And not that I was perfect, I was far from it. But I always thought if I did something that hurt my dad, I'd never get over that. And I always kept it, not, not again, not, I wasn't perfect, I don't mean that, but uh, thinking about my dad and how I wanted to honor him influenced the way I lived my life growing up. But since I've been saved, I want to honor my God. I don't live a holy life because I have to. Yes, I do have to. But I live a holy life because I love Him. How could I not? I, I claim to be His child. I, I tell the world that Christ has made a difference in my life. And because I love Him, 
I don't know. <coughs> and by the way, if you don't have that motivation, nothing else works. Amen. But if that's not enough, if that doesn't mo- motivate you to be holy, second of all, remember, one of these days, you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account of your life. Now, I grew up in a large family. We won't go into the detail of how that worked out. But we were good at pointing fingers. You ever do that before? No matter who got in trouble, it was somebody else's fault. Amen? And I was guilty of that too. But when we stand before God, guess where you're going to have to point to? To yourself. We are going to stand before God and our lives are going to be judged. So I challenge you today, church. Live according to the standards of the Word of God. Not according to the standards of our world. And I know there are a lot of preachers who are watering down with their preaching. I'm not going to do that. I can't. I want to please him. Stand with me, would please. Father, we're thankful today for your precious word. We are thankful that we don't have to be holy on our own, but you've given us the Holy Spirit to live in us. Lord, help us to yield our lives to the Holy Spirit that we might become holy because you are holy. I pray, Father, that the Spirit of God would send conviction this morning. Because, Lord, I know there are some today who are living in willful sin. They are not living according to the Scriptures and they're trying to rationalize it. Lord, I pray that the fact that they love God would motivate them to holiness. But I pray, Lord, they would also realize that one day they will stand to give an account before a holy, holy, holy God. I pray, Lord, for those who are lost today. I pray, Lord, they allow the word of God to penetrate their hearts, for they too will one day stand before God. But Lord, I pray for all of us this morning. For those who need it the most. And Lord, for those who think they don't. Send conviction where it's needed. Change lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You got a song just of invitation. I don't know where you are today in your walk with God, but you know.